Hello, my name is Philip Merton, and today we are going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution, to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Meriton. Last week, uh, we had a, I had a conversation with Rahisha Poe, and we talked about the importance of questioning our fundamental beliefs. Well, one of our most fundamental beliefs is the belief that we are physical beings having spiritual experiences, those of us who actually have spiritual experiences. Well, there's a whole different way to look at things, which is the opposite way. You know, let's imagine that we are really, at our root, spiritual beings having physical experiences. On my show with Anton St. Martin, the author of the book Divine Living, we really got into this topic, and I think you'll enjoy this. A term that is used a lot in this show is the term worldview. As the term suggests, a worldview is the way we look at the world. It's the lens through which we see it. I like to say that a worldview is determined by three main factors. One, how we look at other people and ourselves, how we look at nature, and how we look at God. But what we often fail to take notice of is that we have been conditioned to view the world through the eyes or lens of modern science, which means materialism. Now, the materialistic or modern science worldview is fairly straightforward, and we talk a, a lot about it on this show. In that worldview, other people in the physical world are fundamentally separate entities. They're others. We are one set of ball bearings. Another person is another set of ball bearings. There is no connection between them. In, in Richard Dawkins' favorite or famous phrase, he called us robot vehicles, different creatures sliding down our allotted slots on the tracks. Now looking at ourselves, uh, Charles Darwin says that we are essentially a random outgrowth of a mindless, purposeless, directionless process called natural selection. He says that we are essentially descended from a common ancestor as the apes and bacteria. Getting into the topic of God, in the modern mindset, God is typically viewed as, as something outside of us or as just not existing at all because there is no such God in our visible horizon. But the important thing is that when we try to understand events such as the meaning of life, the existence of God, or what we're all doing here, we approach these questions from the standpoint or within the worldview of materialism. Many of us know, however, that there is a spiritual or poetic or ephemeral side to experience. There is something that cannot be reduced to matter in motion. What assembly of particles, for example, explains love, hope, dreams, inspiration, the religious settlement, and we can go on and on. When we try to explain these spiritual experiences from a materialistic or physical standpoint, we always run into problems. Either we imagine some way for consciousness to arise from dead matter or love from the dirt, or we say that these events are illusory. Another term used by Amit Goswami and others is this term promissory materialism. 
Another way to view these events is that someday materialism will explain them. They will explain love, spirituality, uh, hope and dreams. Someday they'll do it, but they just haven't been able to figure out what assembly of particles explains these events. And also, as we know, a strict materialistic viewpoint leads to atheism. It denies any connection between human beings and other people and the physical world. So on this show, we're going to try to do something different. We're going to take a thought experiment. We are going to strip away the materialistic tendency from our brains and imagine that we are not physical beings having a spiritual experience, but we're spiritual beings having a physical experience. Now this concept originates with Pierre Teilhard de Jardin, the French philosopher and Jesuit priest who came up with this, frame, this phrase in his book, The Phenomenon of, of Man. Joining me on this show, I'm happy to say, is Anton St. Martin from South Africa. Now, Anton is an international spiritual advisor, intuitive consultant, and destiny coach. He is also a sought-after metaphysical teacher and spiritual author. He has been consulting as a professional psychic medium since 2004, and in South Africa, he has established himself as a trusted advisor to prominent business leaders, celebrities, and politicians. He's the owner of a leading-edge metaphysical consulting service aimed at individual and organizational transformation. He's the author of a spirituality blog titled The S-Word and is content editor for PsychicBloggers.com. He has appeared on various radio and television shows and is one of the original producers and co-hosts for the Psychic View on Psychic Access Talk Radio. He has a BA in Psychology from the University of Pretoria with the postgraduate studies completed at the University of South Africa. He's also the author of a brand new book called Divine Living, The Essential Guide to Your True Destiny, which I highly recommend for those who want to open their minds to some of the ideas in this new spirituality, new consciousness movement. Uh, We're going to be talking today about how and whether we are really spiritual beings having a physical experience. Thank you for joining me today, Anton. Well, thank you very much, Phil. It's great to to be on the show. I was really looking forward to this. I'm glad that you gave uh, Pierre uh, Tyler Desjardins the the credit that he deserves for that quote, because it's been been quoted by many others um, who take credit for it, but um, he was the original guy that that said that. Um, And it is, um, I would say it's, it's sort of the... The, one of the foundations of my personal belief system. Um, it directs everything I do every day and the way I look at the world. So, um, yeah, that's a, that was a good way to, to start the show. And as I understand it, you're also going to make that the theme of the show. Yes, yes, because I, I really want to have a show where we do take this thought experiment and we sort of wipe our mind clear of these preconceptions and instead of viewing the world and trying to understand it as physical or materialistic entities with these molecules and atoms and and dead stuff assembled into a creature to imagine instead that we are spiritual beings having this physical experience as Pierre uh, Teilhard uh, Desjardins um, suggested in his book but I think it's important right now to, to contrast this, this notion that we may be really spiritual beings with, with 
with the current mindset that, at least in the U.S., dominates the way we think. And so first, let's start off with, uh, from your own mind, how would you define or describe our current worldview? Well, the short version, version would be that, that it's actually a bit of a sad state of affairs in my mind. But um, I'm very glad that you asked that question because, you know, our worldview um, is something that is much more important than most people realize. Um, and the reason being that it really defines um, and informs everything that we think and believe and do every day. It, it is what makes our reality. It is, it's what shapes our reality and how we interpret our reality. Um, and the problem with, with worldviews is that they are invisible. We generally do not realize how our shared worldview affects us on a daily basis. And in fact, it's my belief, belief that um, our differences in worldview is the cause of most, if not all, human conflict since the beginning of time. That is what we, we engage in wars over, is our differences in worldview. Um, and basically, it's, it's difficult for me to define it because it depends on whose perspective you take. Um, because there are basically, for the past 400 years, I would say, um, humanity has been divided into three camps as far as world we view goes. And frankly, none of these three possible worldviews or common worldviews, uh, neither th of the three are bringing us any of the answers that we seek. Um, basically, th th these, these worldviews spring from, you know, what you, you also know as um, dualism versus monism. Um, you have a dualistic worldview, which is probably the most popular one, or the most mainstream one. And that is that mind and matter are two separate, or, uh, two separate entities. Um, and that they, they don't really, they're not any way inter integrated. Um, so from the religious perspective, that would be the body and the soul. Um, and that's why it's also the mainstream point of view, because even for, for the religious scientists, the scientists that, that um, follows some or other religion, would view the, the human being as a physical body um, that is somehow houses the, the soul or the spirit. So th that's a sort of a separatist view on, on, on the world and on humanity. And then on the other hand, you have monism, which, which splits into two totally opposing or extreme viewpoints. On the one hand, you have the, the, the mentalistic approach or mentalism, which considers the mind as the only thing that exists. Um, monists don't feel that, that mind and matter can exist at the same time. Only one of them can exist. So your mentalist would say that there's only mind, there's only consciousness, um, and that our bodies and our physical reality is basically a figment of our imagination. Um, it is something that is conjured up by, through our consciousness and it doesn't really exist. Matter doesn't exist. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have the, the um, materialists, which, which you referred to in the beginning, which believes that only matter exists, that everything is purely physical. We consist of molecules and atoms and so forth. And um, there's nothing more to it. There's no spirit. There's no soul. Um, our consciousness is something that is generated by biologically and physiologically and 
electrically and chemically by our bodies. It's, it's consciousness is not something that exists on its own accord or that possibly come from somewhere else. So we don't have a soul, we don't have a spirit, we are just physical matter. Yeah, and I now, think... as I say... I'm sorry, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm, ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say that just in summary here, we're, we're doing something very important, and that is we're trying to categorize worldviews. And, and, and uh, as Anton's saying, that there really is... Uh, th there, there really are three separate ways to look at this. There is everything is matter, therefore consciousness and spirit are dubious. Everything is mind, therefore matter is dubious. Or there's both, which is dualism, and the and the and the perennial problem there is how do they interact? It, it's the ghost and the machine problem. I'm sorry. Uh, so so I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, Why no, absolutely. That's that's a very good summary. Yeah. So and 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 you see the 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 problem is the mainstream view has traditionally been dualism, yeah. because even even mo some of the most um, confirmed scientists, Newtonians, would, would still often have a religious belief system as well. So um, yes. they tend to adhere to dualism. Then, you, of course, you have the more sort of hard-nosed scientists, as I would describe them, that, that would go for the materialistic view. But, but what was also um, tragic about it is that um, the materialistic view has been gaining ground a lot, especially over the past hundred years. Um, so materialism seems to be, it's not that, I wouldn't say it's the dominant worldview if you look at it from the perspective of the, you know, the, the common man in the street, but from the scientific community, it's definitely the mainstream viewpoint. Um, and the problem with that is that it's very much focused, um, or it's rife with, with a reductionistic approach to everything. So what that means is that very complex systems and complex things are reduced down to very, to very simplistic explanation or a simplistic um, set of underlying components. Um, to give you an example, in psychology, which is my original field of study, you find what is known as physiological reductionism. Now, what this means is um, psychologists that, that work from this point of view, from this singular point of view, attempt to explain all human behavior and human experiences from a biological perspective. In other words, they would say we behave in certain ways or we react in certain ways because of our hormones and our nervous system and, and our brain and so forth. So reductionism doesn't really allow for any other point of view. So everybody has their singular point of view. You know, you've got the biology guys and the physiology guys, and um, you've got the social, you know, the social guys, the social psychology people who say that it's all about systems and groups and relationships and how we interact with each other. So everybody's got their singular viewpoint, but it doesn't give us, it. and, and, and what's terrible about it is that it, it, it dodges the main question, and that is, who are we and where do we come from? Because nobody can tell us that. Right. Our science cannot tell us that. Um, you know, there's the Big Bang Theory of the, how the universe began, but nobody still knows why it happened or where it comes from. Um, it's a reductionist view of the world is not going to take us forward as a species. We need to broaden our horizons. And the future lies in some sort of holism, in some sort of integration of these three worldviews, because all of them actually have some sort of truth to them. I mean, it's not all ludicrous, but they, they only have part of the truth and not the whole truth. 
personally and a lot of people that work in my field believe that our future lies in a fourth new worldview. Okay. Um, it's, 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 it's commonly known as neutral monism, okay. which is a silly name, but I don't like hmm. it. Yeah. But it basically says, it explains it in a sense because it's somewhere between these two extremes of only matter and only mind. The neutral monist believes that that both the mental and the physical can be reduced or integrated somehow to a third original substance, and that is energy. That is why you often find the so-called uh, New Age practitioner or metaphysicians or spiritualists. Um, a lot of people in the spiritual community almost have this obsession with the concept of energy. They they talk about the almost every second word in a sentence would be something about energy yeah. um, because it is our belief that that everything the world consists of energy and it manifests both as consciousness or mind and it also manifests as matter yeah well the there's no doubt that in order to satisfy the scientific mind and the spiritual tendencies we're going to have to come up with something that touches both bases, mm -hmm. that, has, that has the scientific rigor in it, but leaves, leaves plenty of room, if not the leading role, for this thing called spirituality. And, and I'm often uh, concerned that we get lost in semantics a lot. Uh, one of one of my best examples of this would be the term matter, where where we all view the hard substance of the world as matter, and very few people would dispute the notion that the world is largely made up of matter. But what do we really mean by that term? We know that through quantum theory, that matter isn't really what it appears to be. Matter appears to be hard, solid stuff that, it, that has an independent existence from our, ourselves, but that's exactly what quantum theory disproves. And then we have uh, the famous uh, the spin on things by George Berkeley, the um, 17th century uh, British empiricist philosopher, who essentially said that matter is really a figment of the imagination. And, and, so, and so I think that part of our problem is coming up with the same language. To talk to each other, and 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 I mean, spiritualists talking to scientists, and scientists talking to theologians, and I'm 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 concerned a lot that we're that we deal in, that we deal with different vocabularies, and we're taking things in different levels, and we and we need to get to a place where we're speaking the same language. Um, that's that's just one of my own little um, pers uh, observations of what's going on right now. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Um, and you see, the problem with this, why we don't have this common vocabulary, is um, because we we are still stuck on on the Newtonian Newtonian um, uh, scientific paradigm, right. uh, a scientific paradigm that that's been around for four hundred years, 
And don't get me wrong, Newtonian science has served us extremely well. I mean, the fact that, that you and I are able to talk to each other right now, literally halfway around the world, right. um, and that this could be heard by people over the world is due to Newtonian science. Right. So there's often this misconception that, that the spiritual community, for the lack of a better term, to, to, to clump us together, because we don't really like to be clumped together, right. um, is that that there's this, this notion that we are against science or that we, we are superstitious people that, that don't like science. And, right. and that's not true. It's just um, we feel that science is limiting us and not giving us space to explore and to, to find some understanding to, to some of the experiences that a lot of us personally have on a daily basis. Um, so that is why we don't have a common vocabulary is because we are still stuck in this old scientific paradigm. Newtonian science will always be around, but it needs to be adapted. It needs to be expanded. We need to expand our horizons. And I think that has been the chief problem that we've had, um, especially in the past hundred years, is that we have been building walls instead of bridges. Right. Um, we have driven a wedge between the scientific world and the spiritual world. Um, and we've completely lost touch with each other yes you know um we've we've somehow in a sense almost gotten to the point now where for anyone to be overtly spiritual or even religious um is increasingly being seen as something shameful um it is something that you that you don't talk about i mean a lot of us are still spiritual religious but it's something you do in your privacy privacy of your home Right. People are more likely these days to have open discussions about con controversial subjects like sex, for instance. Right. They would discuss that on, you know, in public, but they would not talk about spirituality. Yeah. It's, you just don't go there yeah. because there's so much skepticism and cynicism. Yeah, and it's well, because of this, this wedge that, that has been driven um, between sp spirituality and science. Yeah. But fortunately, there is good news because I think we're also maybe making everything sound very gloomy and doomy at the moment. There is a lot of hope. I have a lot of hope for the future because there are a lot of very smart, very educated people all over the world that are increasingly taking hands, um, both in the scientific and spiritual community, reaching out to each other to, try, to begin to start find, finding some common goals and some shared solutions. So um, it is actually a very exciting time that we live in. Yeah. It's just unfortunate that I think a lot of people in the general public are not always, always informed. And people have been brainwashed to the extent that they, whenever a scientist, you know, if somebody has a PhD from some leading university, the moment they speak, everybody listens. Right. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but... But, you know, sometimes you also have to listen to, to the crazy ones among us, the so-called crazy ones, because they are the ones that drive, that, that drive evolution and that drive expansion and progress. Yes, yes. I, wanna, I want to um, parenthetically note for a moment first, when we use the word Newtonian, um, that may not be self-evident to many listeners, but... But in simple words, and correct me if, if this is different than the way you view Anton, is is that Newton came up with the, I would call it a model, viewing the world as a machine. It's the mechanical worldview. 
it's sort of like uh, a, a, a big giant universal contraption that runs on its own power that's made of little ball bearings and it just sort of chugs away getting this energy getting its its motivating force from some other place and we could use the term metaphorically at least from say the big bang or from the energy of the sun or something um, and and the problem with that worldview in my mind is that quantum theory has disproved it as as a number of other things but but as but as you point out in your book and as others point out in different um, books as well there is an inconsistency in the way we view things where we hold this Newtonian worldview in our mind for part of the day but in the other part of the day we sort of lapse into more of, more of a spirituality mindset or we watch shows like in this country there's a show called the Long Island Medium um, yes. Or, or they read Edward Casey or they read their horoscope or, yes. <laughs> or, or they've got their rabbit's ear, their lucky charms. I mean, we're all over the place. And, and so it's sort of like we uh, there's another book called uh, Quantum Enigma, which I mentioned a lot, where where in that in that book, the, the authors uh, Bruce Rosenblum and Fred Kuntner talk about the, the idea that consciousness is behind quantum theory is the skeleton in the closet. They use a skeleton in the yes. closet. And I, think, and, and I think so that we live this, to me, this, this disjointed world where, or this disjointed life where we try to be scientific, you know, from nine to five, and then we're spiritual from seven to eight, and then we have our precognitive dreams. And, and we're off doing something else at night and we wake up and the friend calls in a synchronistical event. I mean, it's a cra it's really nuts. And, and so I know that what, one thing you, you're doing, and, and because I think you did it in your book, and that I try to do is to try to find one worldview that explains it all. You know, because that, because let's face it, folks, there needs to be a theory that explains it all. There can't be a theory that just says that the, that the whole world is made up of tiny particles and everybody who's ever had a spiritual experience is out of their mind because, because that's just not going to work. So Absolutely. Um, and, you know, that's why um, you would – it's very interesting um, from that perspective because that's a very – great explanation that you gave of what the current situation is um, because we do have these weekend i call them the weekend warriors yeah. <laughs> yeah. they they go to church on sunday or to 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 temple on on saturday or whatever yeah. the case may be yeah. or they they do their new age thing um and and sadly when they go to work they have to they have to put all of that out and the thing is you know um that will have to change right because we have you see, the biggest problem with our current worldview is that people feel dissatisfied. There is a lingering uh, dissatisfaction and a, a sense of being lost. People are seeking purpose and meaning in their life. You know, it's no accident that, for instance, um, paranormal investigation shows are so popular on television. Right. It's also no, uh, currently, um, it, it's also no accident, for instance, that, I mean, the, the booming field, you as, a, as an author might know this as well, the booming field in publishing at the moment is not this or that or the other. It's paranormal romance. 
Yes. Um, you yes. know, yes. The, the, like the, the, the Twilight movies. and the, I mean, there are so many women reading these para paranormal um, fiction stories. They're like, lapping it up yeah. because they, they have this yearning for something that is out of the order, that is more uh, of the of the mystical or the miraculous we have become totally devoid of the mystical and miraculous in our lives yeah. it's been stripped away um and and you know some scientists are telling us that that um, our lives have no meaning right. we're not going anywhere there's no purpose to the universe it's just a random accident um and that's no way to as human beings we we because we are spiritual beings having a physical human experience, we want purpose. We want meaning. We came for that in the first place. Um, and therefore, you know, that, that really has to change. You know, it's interesting to note that, that, um, that Isaac Newton, um, who is the father of our current scientific paradigm, as you, he's right. basically considered to be the, the most important scientist that ever lived. Right. Um, but what's interesting about him is that he was actually a religious man. Right. And, and he, um, he viewed God as the master creator whose existence could not be denied in the face of the grandeur of all creation. Right. Um, so the man whose principles we are still applying in our sciences also believed that there was more to to our universe than than meets the eye right right and and i think that what's what's uh very important in our in our current uh modern science worldview i think for people to understand is that folks like newton they they had a belief in god i think i think as you point out i think that uh there's something like isaac newton wrote 10 times as much on theology and spirituality than he did on that on hard science and mathematics mm -hmm. But those folks knew that science, in, in being the, the, uh, the experimentation, observation of the physical world, using materialism as a model, d did not explain everything, including uh, the, the, uh, the, the symmetries, the order, the regularity, the beauty, the aesthetic. Uh, so much uh, science, those folks knew uh, that this materialistic viewpoint did not explain. In our modern world, we've sort of packaged the mystery and we've put it in this 10 to the minus 45th second before the Big Bang. We sort of have this little package here. <laughs> and, and, the, and, and, and the mystery has, I mean, it's sort of like this infinitely dense mystery that is packaged and we wrap it up and we put it away. But every time you read one of these these books on on uh, the Big Bang, either either by Stephen Hawking or Lawrence Krauss or one of these guys, they they don't answer all the questions. They sort of put off the side and they sort of say, well, well, we've explained almost everything, but not quite. Well, the not quite is an awfully big not quite, and 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 so in some ways it's a, it's a function of maybe science coming up with more universal theories or more or broader theories but they have yet to explain how it all started or why we're here and and so i think and that's and that's so important and i think that you know when you were talking about um sort of this the weekend warrior i i got this image in my in my in my head about about a genie being locked in a bottle i mean it's in some ways in some ways you know we're really spirits i mean i really do think we are spirits and let's face it, i mean I, I there's no reason for me to to hide the ball on that one um 
and but we're sort of locked into this bottle or this or this uh, this vase or whatever that thing was. Um, and 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 we and we want to get out. We want to get out of our enclosure and we want to spread out. You know, I mean, I really I think that's you know a good image of of what's going on when 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 we have leading scientists telling us that we're really just robots with no future. We have Stephen Hawking saying there's no heaven. We have Lawrence Krauss saying there's no God. We have Richard Dawkins saying that you have to be nuts to believe in the supernatural. But we know in our <laughs> I mean this is what these people say. I mean there's no oh, yes. I mean this is what they say. I mean they they use the word and I, I've written an article or two on this topic where they use the word insane to describe mm-hmm. folks like you and me. Um but 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 the but the bottom line though is that you can't hide that that uh, mystery forever, and 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 what I what I think um, I'd like to do right now is that you you know I when I introduced you and I got a lot of that material from from your book I mean you do have a psychic abilities and and I don't necessarily want to delve into those but I but I do want to I think it's important for 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 the listener to understand how you how your own sort of uh, uh, abilities or or ex- or life experiences have has brought you to your current beliefs. I mean, you you in in many ways are a very good example of what of of why this new spirituality is not going to go away. I think because it's because it's personal to you. It's something you know oh, in your yes. heart. Oh yes, and and the thing is, it is personal to millions of people um like i always say you know there's a people are talking about racism and sexism and um, gay marriage and all the like but there's actually a new kind of prejudice in town which i call the spiritual closet Hmm. and a lot of people are in this hiding in the spiritual closet you know uh, you would be you will your hair would literally stand on end if you had to know who some of my clients were (laughs) It's people that would never in the light of day in public or in a business forum admit that they speak to me. You will be amazed. Um, It is something that is done under the table. It's a very sort of uh, clandestine, covert operation. Um, (laughs) But unfortunately, there are the loud mouths like me that refuse to keep quiet, you know. And the reason why I refuse to be keep quiet is because I've... um, I have faced in the past a lifetime of of prejudice and discrimination yeah. and um, skepticism and mockery and ridicule and frustration and confusion because um, I've been having these paranormal experiences from a very, very young age, from from my first memories, from since I can remember. Yeah. Um, and it is also something that is, that is genetic in my family on my father's side. Um, but it took me many years to figure out what it was because there was no way for me to go, especially growing up in South Africa under apartheid. It was very difficult because, um, you know, our school system known as Christian national education was um, is, it was a very limiting policy that it was it was basically geared towards social engineering. Um, so um, you were expected to conform to the group. Um, you were expected to adhere to certain cultural values, um, religious values, that kind of thing. So th- this is not the kind of stuff that you would talk about. Right. Interestingly, um, in in my um, 
in my community, it's always been people like me have always been around yeah. <laughs> and people have been talking to them, but it was never an official thing, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yes, um, you know, I took a long detour to get to where I'm now. Um, that is how I ended up studying psychology, for example, because I knew I was somehow driven to, to do this kind of work and to do, to work with people. But but I, I, I kept on um, denying my true nature um, because it was just not socially acceptable. It's not something. And the thing is, you're easily branded as, as crazy or nuts or whatever. Right. You know, I remember, for instance, that um, um, I, at, at one point I was always very, um, um, very much an outsider in school, right. um, very bullied, especially uh, when I was younger. Um, but at some point I had a brief, like almost, I think it was about like six months or a year. I had a brief spell of popularity, <laughs> sort of in middle school. Yeah. It was in middle, around in middle school, around the age of 13. Yeah. Um, because I started doing readings for all the girls, for all the <laughs> older girls. Um, and they were amazed about, you know, the things I told them about their boyfriends and so on. So yeah. I had a bit of a popularity. I used to do this in the school library. Um, but eventually I was, I was uh, found out. This was somehow reported it got to the headmaster yeah. and i was severely beaten those days wow. they still beat us with a cane you know? um, and i was severely beaten for it yeah. because well, it's it's you know it's it's unchristian and it's unreligious and it's it's unnationalistic and or unpatriotic that kind of thing so yes i took a long detour to get to where i was um but the thing is my belief is that that we cannot avoid our destiny we can we come with a life plan and you come with a soul purpose and a life purpose, and you have to do. You've got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Now I was going to. I was going. I was going to ask you about 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 that uh, about the soul purpose and 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 life purpose. But before I do, I just want to um, note that what I'm finding, and you and you uh, alluded to it uh, earlier about the popularity. Of, of these paranormal books and shows. I mean, in the U.S., as I, I've already mentioned, the Long Island Medium, we have, uh, we have the, the, the Fringe, we have The Mentalist, we have Lost, we have all these, all these shows that involve some kind of paranormal um, ability. And, and I'm finding that, that, that people are pretty open to it. I mean, one of the, one of the it's sort of like, you go through these stages of skepticism with any of this. And I think that the natural human tendency is to be doubtful of, of psychic abilities. On the other hand, most people have already been through that first stage because they've, even, they, they've either had a psychic experience or they've been to some uh, medium or they've seen uh, a, a prediction that's come true. And let's face it. It's pretty hard not to be uh, religious from the Western standpoint, i.e., believe in the Bible and the prophets, without believing in, in the paranormal. I mean, there is, or, or the supernatural, there, there is something in us that wants it to be true. And, and I think that from your perspective, 
which is which is um, that we're really spiritual beings. It's something that we know to be true, but it's been deprived. You know, it's been taken away from us. It's sort of like it. It reminds me of maybe Lord of the Rings or one of these mythical uh, stories where some power, you know, was that the sword was taken away from the hero, and then he get the yes. sword back, and and you know it was really his to begin with, and now he can conquer the world. I mean that that's the way I feel about this. Um, I, I feel as if the the power uh, ha- has been has been taken away, and now we're sort of rising up gradually, and it may take centuries, but we're gradually rising up to say, "Hey, uh, th- we can't hide this any longer. We we have to come to a deeper like deeper explanation." So I was so I went off a little bit more than I wanted to on, on that little point I was making, but I think it's important for you to talk about your idea in, in that, that you explain in your book about everyone's got their soul purpose and a life purpose and destiny. And I, I know those are th- those terms are related, but why don't you talk a little bit about what you mean by finding your soul purpose um, and, and, how, and how that is something valuable to all of us? Sure. Um, well, the, the, the two terms are often used interchangeably, but I chose to, to separate them. Um, they go hand in hand. They are, they are very integrated, but to me they are two separate concepts. Um, and they are what I believe makes up our life plan. You see, we've also traditionally, for centuries, we've had this question, um, this whole issue, just like we have the issue with dualism and monism, we've also had the whole controversy around destiny or predetermination and free will, um, which boils down to, um, is our life scripted in advance so that we basically don't have much choice, it just our life plays out the way it was scripted like a movie script or a play and we have very little say in what happens to us Um, or is our life completely dependent on free will so that means that we just have choices and decisions to make every day and our life will turn out based on what we decide to do or what direction we choose to go Um, And people are divided about this. Um, You would find your very traditional or even fundamentalist um, religious person would believe that that God, you know, there's a plan for our life and we don't have as much say in it. We just have to follow that plan. And then you would have the more progressive person would say, no, it's all free will. There's no, nothing is predetermined. Um, And this is something that has bothered me all my life because I just it, it did the the sort of um, mainstream view on this that it's it, it never it never really matched my experiences yeah because in my personal life and in working with my clients all over the world I have seen that some things are beyond our control some things just happen to us and interestingly a lot of these things that just happen to us that seem to be predestined or predetermined are often things that I cannot see for people when they consult me. Hmm. Very interesting. It is interesting. Um, Where on the other hand, a lot of things you do have control over. I have seen evidence of this. I see it every day in my work, how people's choices and decisions determine their their outcome in their lives and how they literally create their own future, how they create their own destiny, their own outcomes in their life. So it bothered me. How is this possible that there's this two-way thing going on at the same time? Um, And 
with a lot of um, contemplation and meditation and um, several dreams I had, etc., I came to the conclusion that we all we all come into this world to have this physical experience, but we are come here armed with a life plan or a blueprint for our life. Yeah. And we create this blueprint ourselves before we come because we are spiritual beings and we come to the earth for a physical experience in my view the earth is like a cosmic school or a or a spiritual playground um i see it as a huge holiday resort um or, or actually not a holiday resort more like an adventure camp Yes. And we come here to sort of rough it and go through all these incredible physical, sensual experiences that we don't have in the spiritual realm. Um, and this, this is a part of the process of the expansion of the universe because that is the purpose of it all. It's all about expansion. Um, and there are other dimensions and other realities where, where this is also taking place. Earth and the earth reality is just one of it. Um, so it's one sort of option that you have when you, you're a spirit and you want to decide on which trip you're going to take. It's just This is one of the trips that you can choose at the travel agency. And before you come, you design your life plan, like you would design an itinerary for a holiday trip. Yes. Um, now, when you plan a holiday... You don't plan it in every, well, I suppose there are people who do that, but you typically don't plan it in every minute detail, minute by minute. You sort of have a, a, an overall idea of what you want to do on this trip. Some people would make a list or maybe a diary or whatever, and they would say, you know, we're going to do this sightseeing and we're going to go shopping there and we're going to go and try this out and so forth. So they've got a plan for it. And that is how I see our destiny. Some things we plan in advance, like almost like an obstacle course that we need to complete. Right. And these are major life events um, that, that we have no control over because we planned it before we came. And now, now that we are here, we have to be happy with the plan that we made for ourselves. Uh, we plan these things because it brings us certain um, uh, learning experiences, opportunities for soul growth or spiritual expansion. Um, so th those would be things like major life events, like the, the, the person you marry, for instance. That's where the whole idea for, of soulmates comes from. Yeah, um, or I also believe that we plan, we, we decide before we come how we plan to die how we wish to die, in which way. Yeah. Is it going to be quick, slow? Is it going to be an illness, an accident? Yeah. How are we going to go? Um, and then this life plan basically has two purposes. The one is your soul purpose. That is your spiritual mission. And basically what it boils down to is what you intend to take back with you when you go back home the lack of a better description. So after you've completed your life journey and you return to spirit, what do you plan to take back with you? What knowledge and wisdom and insight and experience are you going to add to what we call the Akashic Record, the great, the great um, cosmic library of all human experience? Or everything in the universe is recorded in this record. So what are you going to add to this record, to this big library? So it's what you take away with you. That's your sole purpose. It's your spiritual growth. And then at the same time, you also come with a life purpose. I prefer to call it a life calling to differentiate from soul purpose. Okay. So it's a soul purpose and a life calling. And your life calling is what you plan to leave behind when you go one day, when you kick the bucket. What are you going to leave behind? What is your legacy? Yeah. 
Right. Um, I mean, Phil, if we look at you, for instance, part of your legacy is this radio show that you're doing. Right. This is what you're leaving behind for maybe future generations or whatever the case may be. Maybe your show will inspire some scientists to do new research or something. So that's part of your life calling. Um, and it's not necessarily what you do for a job or a career. Um, that's that's all man-made stuff. Right. Sometimes we do it in our free time or on weekends or whatever, but we all have a life calling. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think it's interesting. I th and I just want to say this. I think it's I think it's interesting what you're doing here. And this is this is why I started the show by calling this a thought experiment. Because if you view again, if you view ourselves as really spiritual beings then when we say things like there is a sole purpose, it's not crazy thinking. It's, it, it tends to explain certain elements of our lives, which is why is it, for example, that some people are just meant to do something. There, there's, a, there's a boy down the street who is uh, two doors down who just you know he's not he's not very good in sports he can't dribble the basketball he can't make a basket but all of a sudden he's got this musical ability that is just amazing that's just innate in him and 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 it's like what most most people or some people say well it's in his genes well i don't think it's in his genes i i do think that that he that that was his that was his sole purpose that that's but now now the origin of that, I think, is there's a lot of mystery because one of the questions I would have for you is that when you say we plan our own lives, mm -hmm. we have to define what the we is because I don't know. I mean, I think some people would say, well, <laughs> are you saying that there's a one-to-one -one correlation between who we are today and what we were pre-birth or, or, are, we, or no. are we living a purpose that the, that the universal mind you know, is somehow uh, yes. dealing out? I understand exactly what you're getting at. Look, to be honest with you, that part I haven't really figured out yet. Yeah, and good. I am good. I am one of the few that um, are very unpopular with with my with the spiritual community because generally spiritualists um, believe that our identity continues after our death. So if if you know if Uncle Phil dies, then he keeps on existing indefinitely right. um, and he can come back and it's and so forth maybe in a new incarnation whatever right. I'm not entirely convinced of that that we we keep our current identity yeah um, I do I do get messages from the identities of people who used to live but they they no longer exist they are absorbed somehow into something greater something right. bigger something deeper right and so I do not believe that in my individual identity, I stood at a planning table and drew up this thing like an architect. I'm not sure if I'm representing a group of souls right. or am I grouping one universe? Am I representing one universal mind? Right. Um, but did I do it with God next to me, the two of us together? Right. I'm not sure. I yeah. cannot tell you. Right. But what I do know intuitively deep in my soul is that i had a hand in it mm. yeah that's well that's that's interesting because it really isn't i mean to me it's really not that difficult to explain from a spiritual standpoint which is that if we are 
if we are all one, and this is, and we could call us hypothetical folks uh, for those who think this is uh, out of left field, but, but, but if we are really one, then we are parts of a one, parts of the whole, and we, and we come out of the whole and we go back to the whole. And then we have these experiences. Yes. Uh, you know, I like, I like your description about the adventure camp, the spiritual playground. Those are great descriptions because I think, I think it's, it's also very healthy. It's a very healthy attitude. Um, instead, of, instead of thinking life is drudgery and we're here for 65.7, you know, 67.7 years and then we're going to slide away into the grave and that's it, folks. Um, it, it's, 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 more, it's more inspiring. It's, it's more uh, 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 no limits or unlimited. It, it does, to me, have some features of karma and reincarnation to it, by the way. And I, I'm, su- yes. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you've, that you've thought about that, and um, I'm not sure if, if, what the distinction would be. But it does have some, some aspects of reincarnation and karma to it, it seems. It seems to yes. Me. Yes. You know, what you touched on now is the whole uh, something that I'm very keen on is the whole idea, the whole theory or hypothesis that that the universe is like one big hologram or right. a holographic field um, and that we are all just small little particles or small little pieces of it. Right. But that that whole universe is also reflective in us, because if you look at a hologram, if you take a hologram that was created by a laser, if you cut it into small, tiny pieces, if you take that tiny piece and you put it under the laser, you will see the whole hologram there. The whole image will still be there. Um, even if it's just a fragment of the original, the whole, of the whole original is reflected in that, that little piece. Yes. So, yes, we, we come from the one and we return to the one. But exactly what that one is would be difficult for me to explain. Right, right. But I'm glad you brought up the point that, that, that we didn't come here to suffer because I think that would, if I had to sum up what my work and my book is about, is just I believe that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience and we all know this deep down. Most of us have just forgotten. And sometimes, and it's, this happens with a lot of people, sometimes they just need to be reminded. I can assure you, that there are people listening to this show right now. There will be people who will listen to this show um, in months to come that will just through the conversation that you and I had, they will be reminded of this fact. They will be reminded of where they come from. And they will also then remember that they did not come here to suffer and to to go through all kinds of hardship. You know, there's this, the, the part of our problem with our worldview is that there's this lack consciousness that we have to struggle and we have to compete with each other and we have to murder each other to, to get all these scarce resources. There's not enough to go around. Right. So we have to fight for it. And it's the f- survival of the fittest. Right. Um, and that's not true. Um, if we have a more spiritual approach to life and if we begin to accept that, yes, I am my brother's keeper, as it says in the Bible, right. I am my brother's keeper there's more than enough to go around for everyone. There really is. Um, We came here to have fun and to have an expansive, um, inspiring experience, not to suffer. All the suffering you see in the world is man-made. Right, right. And and, and as you point out in in your book, that there is a connection between this materialistic paradigm and and, and the, the competition between people. There is a connection 
mm-hmm. uh, between, for example, the wars, the the animosity between re- between religions, between countries, between nationalities, races. There, there is there is a a connection, and really. Uh, to me, what it is is that we need a higher principle to unite over. And I think that if we view ourselves as, as spiritual beings first, then things start to unfold because you, you can't be, let's, you can't be a solo spiritual being. You can't be, mm-hmm. you, you, you tend, we tend to shade into each other. By, by by the course of events. Now, we haven't had time to talk about your individuation um, or your diversity point that you, that, uh, that you raise in your book, which, which go to this point. I think you, you very yes. nicely discuss in your book how it is necessary to be individuals. We want to be individuals because it's no fun, at least the way I would put it, it's no fun and it's probably it's a lonely existence to be all the same. But at the same time, we can't forget that we came from the same place. I mean, I think that's what you're saying as well. We, if we're spiritual beings, folks, we came from the same place. We have to be leading different lives. Uh, and now, now I, I want to, as the show draws to an end, I think it's important for you really maybe just to, there's, there's so many good tips in your book, but maybe, maybe if, if you could just sort of give maybe the most important piece of advice you can give to the listener on, on on what would be a, a a good first step really to sort of pursue this a little bit more or or what has resonated with your students the most if if, if there's something that you could um add here i think that would be helpful well uh, to sum up i would first like to say based on what you just said that yes we need to be express our individuality and it's not from a selfish place like you say it's it's part of the bigger whole but we need to express our individuality but at the same time it must be for you to have a divine life you have to be a spiritual individual but in harmony with your fellow man your planet and the universe as a whole it's all about harmony and balance um and if i had to give a tip hmm there are there are quite a few I think the best tip for me personally, this, this might come as a bit of a surprise to you, but I th- the best advice I can give anybody is switch off your TV, switch off your television set, um, and start, uh, start becoming aware of, again of nature. Go out into nature. Because, you know, they're all a lot of this nonsense that we've been talking about, all this, this petty stuff that we get caught up, all this human drama we get right. caught up in, all of that disappears. Get back into nature. Um, come back to yourself. Uh, stop listening to what other people expect you to believe or how you have to look at the world. Make up your own mind. I think that's the best advice I can give. Make up your own mind about things. Yes. Um, you know, you have to live your own truth. And the only way to do that is to don't have judgments on things that you haven't experienced yourself. If somebody said to you, if a friend comes to you and says, you know what, I had a near death experience or your granny dies and she opens, she lifts her arms up in a deathbed vision, which is a very common occurrence that a lot of people don't know. She lifts up her hands in a deathbed vision to embrace somebody, an angel or a family member or somebody that came to collect her. Don't write it off as nonsense until you've seen it with your own two eyes. Yes. Um, So make up your own mind about things. Trust. You see, we've got an inner guidance system. 
our intuition and our emotions. If something feels off to you on an emotional level, or if your gut tells you that this something's missing here, something doesn't make sense, then follow your intuition. Our intuition and our inner guidance system is our spiritual nature. And that's if you follow that, you will find your 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 true destiny. You will find your soul purpose and your life calling. Yeah, that yeah, that's 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 really good. So to get in touch with you, um, why don't you why don't you give folks at least your website and and any other way to get in touch with you for those who who want to learn more about what you're up <clears throat> about what you're doing. Sure. Um, the the easiest way to get to me is just to to fill in a contact request. I've got a contact form on my website, um, and my website uh, is uh, AntonSaintMartin.com. That's A N T H O N S T M A A R T N dot com, Anton dot com. Or alternatively, you can also go to the website for my book, um, which is a bit easier. It's divinelivingbook.com, all one word. Um, and you will also find um, links to my website from there. Yeah, well, yeah, well, thank you very much. It was, it was, I think we, we accomplished what I was trying to do, which is to give people another perspective on how to view our lives and if nothing else one thing that we we might have picked up here is that it is extremely important in my mind to write your own story Uh, don't let other people limit you and don't let science or, or the materialistic worldview limit you write your own story find your find your inner find that inner guidance system and that and and maybe by doing that we we do have a much better chance of uniting what we are with our destiny living a divine a more divine life and perhaps having a much more enriching enjoyable life here on earth this is philip mirton thank you for listening this is conversations beyond science and religion You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Meriton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com.